Welcome to the audio version of BARG, exclusively for Canadian mortgage professionals who want to avoid losing the rate game by using the credit game to win. To join the conversation for visuals and additional resources, you can go to our private Facebook or LinkedIn page, and all the links and resources are in the show notes. <laughs> all right, so today we have Jasmine, and just to get to know you a little bit better, uh, maybe tell us a little bit about who you are, your background, that kind of things. Awesome. Yeah. So I am a mortgage agent in Ontario okay. and I have been in the industry for about six years now. And uh, one of my niche areas that I work in are the B clients who are okay. looking to repair credit and, and do the refinances to repair credit. So that's why we get love along. the credit topic. That's right. That's right. Um, and I'm also... Um, I also run a, a coaching program for mortgage agents as well. And uh, we kind of focus on marketing and automations and we do some mindset stuff. Um, and that's a private group that we have, or a, it's a public group, but it's a, a different yes. group. Um, and then I also am starting to build a team. So very, very busy, but uh, very exciting. Lots of really great things. Just starting to check off those <laughs> things on my goal list, right? Nice. And and your history yeah. is coaching, right? You you were life coaching, that kind of stuff. So you've brought that over? Yeah. Yeah. I have. Um, I've taken life coaching certifications. I have a psych degree. And that's really where my love of life coaching came in because I didn't see a value in the not there's not that there's no value in the psychology realm, but uh, I felt like I could help people more by being a coach. Yeah. I'm just wondering if you're yeah. reading my mind right now with my cues. <laughs> uh, not, not that no, I'm psychology. way too nervous to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, I, I wouldn't want to go in there if I was someone else. So that's for sure. Uh, so that's great. You're, uh, so you're taking your kind of coaching, bringing that over to the mortgage side. And obviously that translates very well for your clients as a mortgage broker. Um, so that absolutely that's great. now we'll get started with today's topic, which is the credit rating. Uh, we, we always talk about the score, which is kind of the, the most front and center for most people, whether the clients or, or brokers in general, but one of the things that affects the score the most is the individual ratings. And and so have have you ever had clients ask you about ratings? I, I feel it's kind of this like unknown thing that works in the background now. Yeah, it really is. I don't think any of them have ever really asked me to define, you know, like what they don't really know what they don't know. Yes. Right. So they don't even know what questions to ask because they don't know that they don't know enough right. to ask those questions. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It definitely fits into that don't know to ask question uh kind of yeah. realm i i would agree because even brokers uh have stopped really asking me about ratings uh, it's something that uh unfortunately the broker version of the credit report is is pretty much the only version left that includes the ratings and and so that's something oh. where the consumer side equifax used to have it they took it away with credit karma and Borrowell, they took you know they keep it very basic and so everyone just kind of focuses on the score, but most people don't even open up the tabs to see what's going on with their individual accounts. And, and that's yeah, right. Yeah. So that's, that's why I thought it would be a good conversation for us to, to have. Uh, one, I, I doubt your clients will ever ask you, but it, it gives you some value add so that when you are talking with either a B client or any client that you can hone into it and, and take a look at it because it, it's something where I get questioned a lot about how to jump the score. And 
for me, it's uh, I'm looking at the ratings every time. So it's something that I always look at. And, and I just think that brokers would be benefited if they looked at it as well. So we'll jump into that. Makes total sense. Uh, but first, I have an analogy because uh, if, if you ever try and explain this to a client, they're like, it's, uh, it, it's just too much for them. And even a lot of brokers, uh, especially if they're new um, or haven't dealt with it on, on that at all, uh, it, they don't even understand really what the point of the rating is. So how, how I explain it is the, the score is like your GPA. So it's, it's that global summary of how you're doing. The, the rating system is essentially the individual marks you have of each, each course you take. So to relate that to credit, it has, we have the score, which is the summary of everything that's going on. And then we have the individual rating, which is essentially the grade that each credit card, line of credit or, or loan is, is doing. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, it totally does. Um, yeah. And we okay. have the letters that tell us what type of account it is. Uh, so uh, you have those uh, ratings or you know what those are. Um, it's something that that is good to know. So you know what type of account it is. W what are the ratings there? So you have your revolving, the uh, M for mortgage, uh, I for installment, yep. C for uh, line of credit, and O for open. Awesome. So we have the, the individual... Uh, accounts there. And then we have the, the numbers that go along with it. When a broker asks me how quickly can the score be increased, uh, the first thing I'm doing is is looking at that number. Have you seen the zeros on the credit reports? Uh, no. Student loans are very common. Let's say they jump into a student loan, but they don't have to pay until after they've completed the course right? or even a brand new credit account. If you're seeing a zero, that is actually lowering your score. Because it's not showing up as, as being active almost. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, that's yeah. exactly why. So when you get a brand new credit card, so if you're advising clients to go and get a brand new credit account, just let them know that it will probably take a couple months before it turns from a zero to a one. So the one being it's good and you're paying on time, zero means it's too new to rate. And that kind of freaks out the scoring system a bit. So if, if you're okay. looking at that report and you see that zero, that's something where you know that you might want to wait a month or two, depending on when it was officially opened. And that should report within a month or two from the time that it's first started. Okay. And that will jump up the score. And then, yes, we have one that's uh, paying your bills on time. Obviously, that's what we're looking for. Uh, ha have you seen many or deal with many that have the two rating on there? Every once in a while, or you'll see the two, like in the history, uh, yeah. right? When you're seeing the history numbers and you'll see it, you know, and you'll have to count back yes. <laughs> because they don't That's tell so you annoying. when they were a two, like you have to, call, I know, it's to like, count back. Oh, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Wait, wait, I got yeah. it. You were yeah. 16 months late. Yes. And I can't remember yeah. if that's 16 or 15 or 14, but yes, yeah, somewhere around. Yeah. Yes. Very annoying. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that Equifax will change that uh, and, and actually tell you <laughs> when it, when it, happens but uh yeah so in the history of the payments that's how you can tell if it was late um that is when you look for those two so that's that's perfect um the other thing that gets missed a lot is looking at the overdue amount there's so many codes and so many different things on the report that unless you're looking for it you probably will overlook it 
I, I think brokers underestimate how powerful or how much that overdue amount can affect the score. Um, so if they're a current two, so when you're looking down the right side of the report and you and you, if you see any twos, that's one of the first things that you should be consulting with your client. One, make sure if they've caught up and then also make sure that the client understands that they are overdue. Uh, I've, I don't know if you've come across this, but I, I get it a lot where the client doesn't even know that they're overdue because it was some fee or some additional amount that, that they weren't aware of and they're paying it on time or they think they're paying it on time, but then it's just continually going and, and late. Uh, I don't know if you've ever come across right. that. Yeah, or making the payment on the payment date uh, through their bank and having those three to five days before it actually shows up, right? Yes, and we do have a full episode that goes through late payments and, and kind of things to look at. But that's one thing, uh, there is actually kind of a debate on one of the forums for mortgage brokers about what is considered a late payment. Um, and, and that's interesting because a lot of people said, you know, it, it's not late until after 30 days which is not really how it works. Um, so that, right. yeah, uh, if they pay on time, technically they could be late. And, and do you want to explain why right. that, that is? Because a lot of people are scratching their heads like, what, did he just say it's late if you pay on time? So can you explain that? I would assume it's because of the, the, the delay in, in the payment, yeah. right? Um, yeah, and, and I would think that most people are doing their banking online right now. Right. I mean, you're you're not going to the uh, I sometimes will actually go to Canadian Tire and make my payment right okay. there. So I, I know that it's paid, yeah. you know, like I, I know it's you see it automatically <laughs> on your app. But um, yeah, I think a lot of people just assume like, oh, OK, well, it's due today. I'll make a payment right. and forget that you have, you know, especially this long weekend that just passed. Oh, yeah, right. Like, right. I mean, there was four days of, of no banking. So, um, yeah, I, I do think that people I don't. I really don't believe that people understand how much it affects their credit. Well, it's just a day late yeah. or I'll just double up my payment next that's month right. and I'll be good to go. Right. Yeah. And and that's something as a, as a broker, uh, whether you can automate that conversation or have it with your clients, however you choose to do that. But I, I do agree with you that, that most consumers just don't understand how crucial it is. And as you know, that's the difference of getting a deal done or not the three to five ratings really means that the client is really far behind. And sometimes this is because they're arguing the actual transaction, which is never something I suggest to do, pay it first and then argue and try and get your money back. It will go right through the collection process. And then all of a sudden they're paying high rates just because they're fighting over a $25 fee that they don't think is fair. Or a modem. Right? Oh, yeah. Our modem that they swear they returned yes, to Bell. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you've had that happen once or twice. Yeah, I, I have a few clients. Like I said, one of my niche areas is those. Yeah. It's the B clients, right? So, I, there's always something. It's not a. It's never a pretty bureau when you pull it. Yeah. Right. There's always. I need to find stories for about five or six different things. <laughs> make sure we have. Oh, you paid that that collection. Perfect. Let's let's update the credit bureau. Right. Like there's always numerous steps involved in there. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it, it's important to do those steps before you submit. Once again, underwriters yeah. do not like any kind of backtracking. The other thing, a, a lot of the brokers just assume that once it's paid off, that it will go back to that one rating and everything will be good to go. 
when you're advising clients to pay off debt, if they're late, like that three to five, sometimes it's just one of those annoying small department cards and the client really doesn't pay attention to it. So you tell them to just pay it and close it. The problem is, is that if they close it right away, then it will probably stay at that, that higher rating, which will, will kill you for, well, sorry, I shouldn't be so dramatic. It will really hurt your score for that, that six years, right? Cause it's on there. However, if they can pay and get back on time, and even if it's that three, four, sometimes with the five rating with the student loans and, and some of the government programs, when you get back on track, you would want to do that first and let it report as an R1 before going and paying off the rest and closing it. Uh, okay. Does that, does that make sense? Why? You yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And most of the nines that I've seen have already been written off. Yes. Like they're, so they're already in, sitting in collections, right? So they're, it won't report again. <laughs> like it's like closed. Yeah. It's gone. Exactly. So yeah. no matter how much money you pay them, they don't remove it and they won't, most of the time, you could ask the lender. I've had some lenders do that. I think Scotia Bank is one of the few that that still does that, but it's it's rare, uh, very rare that if it's at a seven or a nine or past that five rating, uh, you're you're looking at that's what it's going to be. So if you can get it back to a one, start paying on time, wait a couple months, and and then do it, then that's going to make it much easier for you to get approved with a, 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 a ugly rating in the history as opposed to having it current because that right. stays on there for so long. Um, and for some reason, when we get to a six rating, there is no six. I have no clue why. Anyone's guess on that is as good as mine. <laughs> I, anyone that goes through a credit counseling program or a consumer proposal or some kind of negotiated debt settlement before it went to collections or written off can technically be changed to a seven. So that's something where when the client enters into the debt program, they'll generally have it as a nine. But if you have a client that's been through credit counseling or has been through a consumer proposal and you're seeing nine ratings, that's something that can be corrected to a seven. Will it do wonders for the score? No, but it does look better and, and, I'm assuming some underwriters would prefer it as opposed to a nine. I, I don't know, but it's uh, that's something that can be corrected and, and probably should. It does improve the score a bit, but it's something that is more for just, it looks better. <laughs> so, well, it's really interesting because you're bringing up a lot of ideas about fixing things before it gets too late, right? Before it gets to the point where it's now written off, closed by the credit grantor yeah. into collections Right. If, if someone knows that this is happening, they can at least start remedying it before it gets to that point. Right. Yeah. And, and it's I usually get them after the, like it's completely like it's been in collections for yeah. three years. They've been avoiding every phone call. <laughs> yeah. That's something where if you have that conversation with them before, it could spark them to, uh, you know, you just stand out more because everyone else is just talking about rates and, and you can talk about something that they may may have not have thought of before and and that's some added value and and stands out in their minds for sure. Uh, then we come to the 8 rating. If you do see a repossessed vehicle and it's showing as a 9, it should be an 8 
technically. Okay. Uh, foreclosures as well, whether they're voluntary or involuntary. I've never met an underwriter who really cares the difference between the two. When you get to an eight rating, they just don't really care. Uh, but one thing that is important for those brokers that are in Alberta and BC, sorry, this may not apply directly to you, uh, but for anyone that, that has a, um, a deal where the client got the vehicle loan in Alberta or BC, so regardless of where they live, they, th those balances, if they've been repossessed, can actually be forced to zero because there's a Caesar Sue law. And, and so I have a, a link in the, the notes there in the show notes or in the more info section that will go into more detail about that if, if you come across it. Uh, unfortunately, it's, it's only the two provinces where, that, where I've had a lot of success with that, but it's, it's something to keep in mind. That's very interesting. Yeah, it's just one of those yeah. weird laws that you kind of just... That only applies to like what a part of our country, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's one thing that's interesting because when people talk about credit, they talk seven years for bankruptcy. Well, that, that's true with TransUnion in Ontario, but in a lot of provinces, it's six years with both Equifax and TransUnion. There's more episodes that go into detail about that as brokers go and deal with more clients, different provinces, that's something that can really help you save a deal, which is pretty important nowadays. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the nine you've already alluded to this. So w what does this generally mean for, for a consumer? When it's uh, nine that they like, yeah, that, that we're, we're in trouble at this point. Like, I mean, for me, like I, like I said, most of those have, I've already seen that they've been written off. Yeah. Right. I mean, especially when it's like nine, like a hundred of them in a row in that, that one column. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, this has definitely gone to collections. Yeah. yeah even <laughs> yeah. if the collection isn't showing up, it may be on the transunion report or it might be stuck in, you know, maybe the client has a split file or something like that. But generally speaking, if it's a nine, it has been sent to some collection agency, whether they're too lazy to report it or not kind of depends, but yes, that's, that's generally what, what happens now when, when you see that on a credit report, what do you do? What, what's kind of your process? So I definitely go up to check to see if it's still in collections, yep. like if it's actually reporting the, the, the amount. Yep. Um, and I, I line them up to make sure that they're the right ones, uh, right. often that, you know, they could be a different one. Uh, and then I can talk to my client about, you know, has this been paid? Has it, this been dealt with? Do you have proof that it's been dealt with? So we can at least update the bureau if it has. And if it hasn't, you know, th this is the collection company who has it. I usually pull the the 1-800 number off the off of Google, yeah. give it to them, tell them to go in and deal with it. I've never gotten a phone call. I've never gotten a, uh, like a letter. I'm like, guaranteed you have, <laughs> but it's okay. We can deal with it now. Right. So at least directing them to the collection agency. Um, yeah. And I do tell them to negotiate with them, right? If, if the balance is like a thousand dollars, you know, if you have 600, ask them if that's okay, if they'll take 600. So that's, that's a great conversation. And I do have another episode that goes into like negotiating with collections and, and, and how to get real, really into it. But I, just because you brought it up, I, th I think it's interesting that you say negotiate because a lot of brokers say, or, or, or think that, or assume that you need to pay it off in full in order for anything good to happen. What's your experience? Do underwriters care between settled or paid off? Yeah. No, 
Yeah. No, that's been not, my not from my experience. Yeah. yeah. As long as, you know, as long as it's showing that it's been settled and we have a letter from the collection agency that it has been settled and, and finalized. Yep. Um, yeah. They've never had an issue. I mean, my goodness, if they can pay 500 compared to a thousand, why, why not? not? <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of times it's not even theirs. They signed for something, didn't know, or maybe uh, uh, sometimes it's not even theirs altogether. And then uh, other times, you know, it's, a whole bunch of interest and fees have been thrown on there. And a lot of collection agencies don't send out letters anymore. And they have old phone numbers. Like a lot of them are just lazy. So they'll just throw it onto the collection agency. Or sorry, they'll just throw it on Equifax and TransUnion and just wait for someone to call them. I mean, the right when you're dealing with a $35 collection, they don't care. They just, they're not going to... Uh, spend any resources to try and collect that they're just going to throw it on the credit report and and hope that it messes someone up and and someone pays for it yeah it messes someone up enough for them to now deal with it right exactly yeah <laughs> yeah um now one thing i've uh noticed and and i i'd like to hear your experience on this as well is is that i've had some brokers come to me and and ask about the fact that it's written off does that mean that you don't have to pay it? Right. What's your yes. experience with um, underwriters? No, it definitely has to be paid, even if it's like seven years old. And when I talk to, um, I have a really great connection with my uh, Sajin rep. Okay. So I go to her for a lot of my insured files just to, you know, work through them. And it do she doesn't care if it's seven years, 10 years, if it's written off, you're paying that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it, pay it and, and show a receipt, right? Yeah, and it and it shouldn't be on the credit report if it's that long. But if it is on the report showing written off, I I'm in agreement. So that, that's my experience as well. I, I just wanted to see if anything's changed. A lot of times, even the client calls the lender, they won't even have it on file anymore. That it's written off. It's out of their system. They don't even see it. Uh, so that's that's annoying. Um, but it uh, I'm glad to hear that you walk them through the process of that because. It, it can be difficult if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because I did have a client a couple of years back who uh, we went through, we had to have called 10 to 15 different 1-800 numbers to find an old HSBC Capital One card. Yes. She had the money, right? It was showing as a collection. We called the number, we called everything. We called, you know, every place that could possibly, you know, and no one had a copy of it. Um, and, and Sajin actually approved it with, because we showed that they, she had the money, right? but, and we showed that we had spent four months before even purchasing to try to get it out get of, it, so. out of the system. And so they were okay with it, yeah. but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's unfortunate when they can't actually get an answer. Like, she's like, I have the money, like, just take yeah. it. But who do, who has my card now? Yeah. Like we, who's going to give me something it. in writing? Cause they won't take your money. If you come across that issue down the road if um feel free to reach out because i i do have a collection mm -hmm. person or um a, someone that i guess is called a debt settlement expert and and what he does is he can track it down and he's current so a lot of the companies will switch collection agencies and and so you'll get one thing reporting on the right report but it's actually at a completely different company and then right if you don't know the nuances of that and and who does uh well he does and and so that's something where if you if you have issues with that there are people that can help with that and a lot of times if it's smaller and you're just going to pay he, he just he doesn't charge anything it's just something 
where he works with a lot of brokers and and that's something where it's just kind of a value add where he can at least find the phone number <laughs> find out where right it is, yeah and, and then yeah just direction right yeah it's terrible yeah. and i've had some where the collection agency no longer exists anymore and we yeah. can just dispute that to get it completely removed based on the fact right. that no one's picking up the phone so if you send in a dispute to equifax and transunion and there's no one there to back up or confirm whether it's the clients or not, then, then they'll just remove it off the report anyways, which is even better, but, um, which is even better. Yeah. yeah that doesn't always happen though. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Or not as quickly as we'd like it to happen. Exactly. Right? Yeah. That's the other key is yeah. we need this done now. Um, yeah. Yeah. So was there anything else that, uh, that came to mind or that you wanted to, to get out there uh, before we wrap everything up? Um, not really. I, I've been doing a lot of updating bureaus lately. Yeah. It's surprisingly, it's surprising how much, like almost every client I've, I've touched lately, I've had to update their bureau in one way or another, whether it's a combined, like, oh, there's my, my visa is not on this one. Like, yeah. so it's combining a, a couple different, um, bureaus or it's updating it to show, you know, they've done a consumer proposal. So all these written off accounts should be removed updated, yeah. or at least it should be updated. Um, I had a client go up 170 points when we updated her bureau like that. That was going from not being able to buy a house to very well being able to yeah. buy a house. Right. Like it makes your job like a lot easier. Yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah. yeah. And it's very quick. Yes. Like surprisingly quick. Right. Um, you know, a quick phone call, you get the docs, you upload them. And within a couple, like I would say four or five days, I had updated bureaus, which and I really thought that I would have to wait a whole month to pull that bureau again, yeah. but it's significant. It, it actually changes quite quickly, even on our bureaus. Yeah. Like we can re re pull them and it pulls it up within two weeks. It was still, it was up to 800. So yeah, yeah that, that's, that's the cool part because I get to tell my clients now yeah. you were at a 620 and now you're at 800. <laughs> and that's a huge, uh, just stickiness factor. Something that uh, turns them just from a client into someone that is going to give you a, a great referral testimonial online, speak about you because you've taken them to a place where there is no hope for them to get approved. And then you're able to work with them and, and build that. So that's, that's really why I love the credit side of things because you, you do build that relationship. I, I find much better than just talking about the lowest rate. Uh, I, yes. I find that there's really no stickiness because there's always someone else that can provide a lower interest rate, but, using credit and just your ability to work your butt off and, 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 and know what you can do. That's, that's a, a good message for any broker that's looking at a credit report is, is see what can be corrected. And, and if you do need help with that, feel free to let me know as far as figuring it out. Um, but that's another reason why we're going and having these conversations is so that you can figure out yourself what's wrong with the report and then get those corrections changed. So awesome. Yeah, that, that client uh, was, he said he tried to fix it for three years on his own. And he just kept on getting the runaround, right? Like, oh, you have to call this department. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, they just give up, yeah. right? They just decide they don't want to do it. Um, and when I was able to do it in two weeks, he he was like, my God, like you, you've changed everything. Yes. The whole thing has changed now, right? So yeah, it's yeah. a completely different experience. And, and it feels good to to really be helping someone that needs that help. Cause it's just not fair that it, you know, three years being handcuffed because of something that happened may or may not even be your fault, but 
you know, you should be able to buy a house <laughs> if if yes. if you've proven yourself back again. So, uh, so that's great. Yeah. Uh, so, just as a recap, just to hopefully simplify this in a couple sentences, uh, as anything over a one it, or anything other than a one rating will lower your score dramatically. And the higher the score, the more it's going to hurt your credit. So anything past a five, most likely there is no way to get it back to a one. But as Jasmine had said many times, they you can get that settled, get that negotiated and, and get something in writing and then build a story around it. And then hopefully the underwriter will see the value and, and the strength of the file regardless. So, so that's great. I really awesome. appreciate you coming on today and helping Thank me you. have this conversation about the ratings, uh, this unknown rating system. Uh, so I really appreciate your time and your expertise and, and uh, hanging out with me. Awesome. Thank you, Richard, for having me. Yeah, you bet. As a reminder, if you have any comments, please put them down below. If you had the question, most likely another broker now or down the road will have the same one. If you have a specific client scenario that you want me to review, please send me all the details you can to info at creditgame.net and I'll see how I can help. You can click the see more button in order to get the links and resources that we talk about in the episode. And I look forward to seeing you on the next one.